0: Let's see. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So let me just mute everybody. Uh okay, everybody. We're a bit short, sure people, uh, people are a bit late, but uh welcome again to the Shia. Just um a brief uh, word to start off with. This Shia might be a little bit short. Sure. I've been um in bed with a fever for most of the day, so uh, I don't know how long my voice will last, but uh, we'll take it as it goes. Um, we're in Yechezkel, and we're in chapter 8, we're in verse 16. Um, what we're doing now is vision 4, vision the fourth vision of 4. Yechezkel is, from his own perception, in Yerushalayim, and he's seen three visions of paganism already. He's seen the idol outside the temple. He's seen the, uh, secret chamber with thousands of people together with the Sanhedrin worshipping idols and graven images and pictures and paintings and everything else. And he's seen the women worshipping the Tammuz, which is either a, a prophet, a, a pagan prophet or a pagan god or something of pagan nature. Now we come to the fourth, um, uh, and, Final vision of the paganism that God wants to show him inside the base of And that's chapter 8 verse 16. And God brought me to the inner court of the house of God, to the base of right on the inside, and there, Hashem, the entrance of God's Hechal between the hall and the altar, uh, about 25 men, their backs were towards the heichal of God, and their faces uh, were facing east, uh, in the opposite direction, and they were bowing down, uh, ostensibly bowing down and worshipping the sun. So again, I'll just show you the picture just, uh, so, just to remind you of, uh, um, where we are, what we're talking about. For those that, uh, don't remember from last week. Um, that is the picture we're talking about here. Uh, right on the right hand side is the entrance to the base of Migdosh. If you come in from right to left through the gates of the base of Migdosh, you'll see on the left hand side is the altar. Uh, which is just in front of the Heichal. And then in green and purple letters is the Ulam, which go further west or further to your left. You'll see the Kodesh where the incense altar and the menorah and the table with the bread, showbreads on it. And then right at the end on the far left-hand side is the KK, is the Kodesh Kadoshim. And these 25 men, approximately 25 men, are marked with an X. A turquoise uh box with a red X. That's where they were. They were facing towards the exit of the Base of towards the altar and towards the exit of the Base of and their backsides were towards the Ulam uh, and the Kodesh and the Kodish Kodash. That is what Yhezko is seeing. And uh again, uh if you go a bit further up, you'll see that there uh, are the gates, the northern gates. Um, and that's where the idol was, and there's next to the, the gate of the offering is the woman's gate where they were worshipping the Tamils, and now it's we're actually inside the base of Midosh, and of course, X marks, marks the spot, and that's where he saw these 25 men, um, bowing towards the sun in the east, towards the right of your picture, with their backsides towards the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kadoshim. Okay, so. I'll stop the share and now we know where we are and we'll continue with the story. So exactly what's going on here. Again, you've seen the picture. Um, it says, It says, It There's about 25 men with their backs to the Kodesh Kedoshim and their faces towards the east, towards the rising sun. And vahima mishtachavisem They were mishtachavisem. Now this word, mishtachavisem, as I mentioned right at the end of last uh, last year, although it's translated, I'm sure you've got it translated in art scroll or whatever book you, you, you're reading that's uh, got an English translation. It's either described it as they're bowing down or they're prostrating themselves. But the hishtachavisem uh uh, does not mean that. No, the word uh, is a combination of two words. Mishtachavim means prostrating yourself. We say in our Now, the word for bowing down is, for, in the plural, is is a very strange word, as we'll soon see. Um, the first thing to say is that this is the fourth vision. And uh, and it's the most egregious, as we discussed last week. Uh, fourth, the the uh, in America they have three strikes and you're out. But it, it appears with uh, God and it's four strikes and you're out because this is the most egregious of all the images of all the visions. First of all, it's taking place actually inside the Beis Amidosh. Uh The other visions were on the periphery of the walls and the doors. This is actually taking place inside the Beit Dosh. But as with the other three visions, um, we looked at the prohibitions that, uh, the people were indulging in, uh, from the Torah, the Torah prohibitions. And once again, we see this, this, this prohibition against, against worshipping the sun. That's in Devorim. And uh, not only the worshipping, uh, just forget for a moment the, the blatant chutzpah. That they were worshipping the sun with their backsides towards the Kodesh Kadoshim. But the, the idea of worshipping the sun is mentioned specifically in the Torah. And it's in Devorim in chapter four, which is the basis of this, these visions. All these visions that uh, Yecheskel is witnessing here of paganism are found in chapter four of Devorim, fourth chapter. And, uh, this sun worshipping is mentioned in chapter four of Devorim, verse 19 you should not lift your eyes up to the heavens and you'll see the sun the moon in the stars all the um, hosts of heaven um, and uh, to bow down to them and prostrate yourselves to them and uh, and serve them um, um, which God so to speak uh, has assigned uh, do not be drawn to prostrate, to prostrate yourselves before them and to worship them so the verse above is an azhara it's what, what's known in the Torah as a warning but the next verses, the verses that follow that, are uh, describe the punishment. The, the Torah will often use, as horror, a warning, and then tell you the punishment. So that was the as horror. Don't worship the sun. Don't worship the moon. Don't worship the stars. Um, and then God says, "One who goes and worships other gods, and bows down to them, the." To the sun, or or the or to the moon or to any of the uh, the hosts of heaven, which I have not commanded, they Ishahu, and should take that man out or all that woman you take them out who have done this evil thing, to the gates of the city. As Ish or as Isha, it makes no difference whether it's a man or woman who but and you shall stone them, and they shall die. So the Torah leaves you no uh, in no doubt about the seriousness of worshiping the sun and the stars, etc. Um, so uh, again, th- this is the most egregious of the four visions, and just a prologue. Uh, th- is regards some worship some worship was uh almost universal at this period in, in history world history um it was practiced uh in israel uh, from the time of king Manasseh who lived uh about eight, between 80 and 100 years before the destruction of the first temple we see this clearly in the book of malachim um that uh, in the book of malachim the second book of kings In chapter 21, it says, Va'yivin Mizbachos Lacholtzoah Hashemayim, Menasheh, built altars for all the, all the, uh, all the, uh, hosts of heaven, for the stars, for the sun, for the moon, um, Bishtech Hatsoros Beis Hashem, uh, Bishtech Hatsoros Beis Hashem, in the two courtyards of the Beis Hemichos. Now, what happened uh, after the demise of Menashe and uh, after the demise of his son, um, during the reign of King Yoshiahu, uh, there was a religious revolution. Now, uh, a short-lived religious revolution uh, and teshuva movement. It was about 40 years before the destruction of the base of Migdash. And all these idols were destroyed. And all this type of worship, including sun worship, was outlawed. And that again, we see in the Book of Kings, in the Book of Malachim, uh, the second book of Malachim, in chapter twenty-three, the uh, Hishbes Asak Morim, mm-hmm. abolished uh, the pagan priests Asher Yehuda, whom the king kings of Yehuda had appointed by Yikata Babomos Baori Yehuda, and who had burned incense on uh, altars. Uh, in the cities of Yehuda, who misbe Yushalaim and in the areas of Yushalaim, bless Katrim La Baal, and those who burn incense to the Baal, Lashemesh, and to the sun, Vala and to the moon, Vala Mazolos and to the constellations, the Mazolos, the zodiac signs and the Zodiac, Ultsham, uh and to all the uh, all the hosts of heaven. Um so this thing, this type of sun worship had been outlawed about 40 years before the base of Mikdush was destroyed. Uh, but the fact that King Yoshua outlawed all this type of worship um, might explain in part vision number two. If you remember vision number two, when God showed Yehezkel, the secret chamber where huge numbers of people together with the Sanhedrin were worshipping every type of pagan deity in the privacy of their own homes. If you remember in verse twelve, just repeat to you what it says in verse twelve by God said to me Have you seen what the Jewish pagans are doing in new Shaim in darkness in other words in the in the uh in the secrecy of their own home, and what we learn from that is that although King Yoshiol outlawed all this type of idol worship. And uh, it was a sh- very short-lived Belteshuvah movement uh, at the time of, Ki- of Tzephaniah, at the time of the Prophet Tzephaniah. Nevertheless, the Jewish pagans were not prepared to give up their pagan ways totally and merely removed their idolatry from public v- view and took it underground and practiced these rituals at home. And uh, as the Barabunel noted uh, in relation to the second vision, God showed Yechezkel a combined and contrived pooled vision of the Jewish pagans worshipping privately. And so to speak God. According to the way that Barbanel learns. God cut and pasted all these images. Of all these individuals in the privacy of their own home. Into one image for Yechezkel to see. So as far as Yechezkel could see. This was all taking place in one secret chamber. In the base of Migdash. Um So even though. Even though uh, sun worship was outlawed. By King Yoshiyahu um some 40 years before this event that's being shown here um some worship was still going on and it 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 seems that uh from the imagery here that the vision that you is seeing that some worship had been reintroduced yoshio was dead and um his short-lived uh religious revolution to spell teshuvah movement was died with him um um and um, and uh, after his death so once sun worship once again really ugly head and at this stage in history just a few years before the destruction of the temple they were actually using the temple they were actually using the base of Middash to worship the sun which you can't think of a bigger chutzpah than that that's one way of uh, reading what's going on here alternatively some, some learn like this uh, if this type of idolatry and sun worship did not reappear again in usual at all after the reign of king manasseh some 80 years earlier this could be proof that some people say that these four visions that jehzekiel experiences here in our chapter reflect forms of ideology that were practiced at different times over many hundreds of years and do not necessarily reflect the pagan worship that that was uh, that occurred or is occurring during Jehoshaphat's y- lifetime. So that what he's seeing in these four visions is a cross-section of the paganism that had been going on in New Jerusalem for hundreds of years. And that's why he's seeing the sun worship. Sun worship was no longer practiced, but God's showing it to him, like, don't think this never happened. Like, this is something that, that has happened. And the Samel, which was the first vision, the idol outside the northern gate, that also happened. And the 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 worshippers in private, uh, all these thousands of Jewish pagans in private. And there was a, a an idol called the Tammuz, or a prophet that was called the Tammuz, that the women worshipped. But this could reflect God showing Yekhezkal. Remember, this is a prophecy, it's a vision, this is not in real time. Uh it could be that God is showing Yechskal a cross-section of all the Avodazora uh that was taking place that took place in Yushalim over a period of uh, tens maybe even hundreds of years and uh, not necessarily limited to what was taking place in usual at that present moment meaning that God is showing him through four visions a collage that's a great word a French word don't like the French at the moment uh, for footballing reasons a collage of idolatrous practices that took place over many hundreds of years and does not reflect exactly what the status quo was in Yushalayim at that particular moment. So there's a discussion in the Rishonim as to how we should take it. But certainly there was a, a sun worship in the of Amikdash. And otherwise God wouldn't have been showing to. And you can't really think of anything more disgraceful. You know, if you want to worship the sun. So the traditional way of doing it was to go up on top of a mountain. And they used to have an image of a sun, and when the sun came out, they'd bow to the image that was placed in front of the sun, and they'd bow to the sun on the mountaintops. Uh, this is taking it, uh, you know, one step further. They're actually going inside the base of Migdosh with their backsides to the, uh, the Kodesh Kadoshim and uh, bowing to the sun. And so it says, Keshrim hamisha Ish, there were 25, about 25 men, it could be that, uh, it says, K'esrin le Ish, didn't count them. Yechetzkel was, uh, so shocked about what he was seeing that he didn't even bother to count them. Um, it was approximately 25 men. And it says, mm-hmm. Achorehem el Hashem, the backsides were to the Hechel, to the Kodesh Kodashim. Upnehem and uh faces eastwards towards the entrance of the base of English to the east where the sun rises. Beheymah mishtacha They were mishtacha visa, And um, as we mentioned before, uh, earlier on, maybe in the previous year, the Radak pointed out in the previous pasuk that this last vision describes the most heinous of all the crimes that God shows you in this prophecy. And we also just mentioned that the word isem is very peculiar. Um, again, I've looked in a lot of translations and uh, bowed down, prostrated themselves. If anybody's got a translation there that doesn't give this word isem as prostrated or bowing down, please tell me. Sen- Sencino, uh says worshipped. Worshipped. And, and it's made up of two words, mashchitim, they destroy, and mishtachavim, they worship. Signifying the dual nature of their offense. Yeah, okay, that's exactly right. Who's that, Sonsino? Is that, is that Sonsino? Sonsino books of the Bible. Wow. Gee whiz. Change my opinion of Sonsino. Well, I don't actually, but um, well done, Sonsino. Give credit where credit's due. Okay. So, yeah, so back to the story. What, what's going on with this word, uh, So the Abarbanel explains why this was the most shocking of all the four visions and what this word Mishdachavisa is. Uh, the, the way that uh, Sonsino translates it is uh, one opinion. There are other opinions, as we'll see. But, uh, and the Abarbanel explains why this was the most shocking to Yechazkel of all the four visions that you saw. And he tells you what this word Mishdachavisa means. So he says like this, this is the Ibaba now. He says, They were bowing down to the sun in the east. This particular act of the Zorah bowing and worshipping to the sun was so heinous, um, uh, that Omar Allah that God describes it, in the previous verse, he said, it's the greatest of all, the worst of all the abominations you will ever see. And the reason why this practice was the worst abomination that Yechezkel saw, because God designed the of HaMidosh in a specific way. The of HaMidosh was designed that the main entrance of the of HaMidosh would be in the east, and that the Kodesh HaMidoshim containing god's presence god's essence will be in the west and the reason god did it in this and by the way just to remind you of the picture uh, behind the kodesh kadoshin going further west is where we daven now at the Kotel. that's where the Kotel is behind where the kodesh kadoshi was why did god um why did god specifically design the base of Migdosh so that the kodesh kadosh should be in the west and the entrance to the base of Mitzvah should be in the east," it says the Babinel. "Lavatal Avodas Hashemish, Ahoyu regilim ba'osus to ensure that sun worshiping did not take place there, uh, a pagan practice going back, to, as the points out, we don't need to be told this, a uh, pagan worship going back to the dawn of time, and was still widely practiced across the pag- pagan world." So God specifically designed it so that when you came into the base of Middash, you came in from the east, and you dabbed into what you prayed, you bowed towards the west, which meant you didn't bow towards the sun because the western side, first of all, it's where the sun sets, but it was also completely covered. There was no you, could, you couldn't see the sun on the western side of the base of Migdosh. You could only see the sun on the eastern side of the base of Migdosh. So God specifically designed it to tell you that the eastern side is the least holy part of the base of Midrash. It's where the sun is. And you, when you bow down, you bow west and you show your backside to the sun as if rejecting um, pagan worship of the skies, of anything in the skies. So that, says the Baba Nava, So that the design was specific. When you walked into the base of Migdosh, your backs would be to the sun, as if rejecting its power. And your faces would be towards the Kodesh Kedoshim, in deference to God's presence that was in front of you. These Jewish pagans deliberately come into God's house and do the opposite. They turn their backs to God in the Kodesh Kedoshim as if dismissing, casting God aside, and facing forward, eastward towards the sun, dismissing God, and deliberate, this is deliberate, this is lahachis. Um, in Judaism, we have five, five, five levels of perpetrating a sin. So... Um, it's, it's handy to know. So the, 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 there are five, we think of things that you do by gay by mistake and things that you do by mazin, uh on purpose. But there are actually five stages of uh, transgression. There's something called Ones, uh, which, you know, if you're just brought up in a secular environment and uh, you don't know any better, where you're brought up, a lot, a lot of Jews were brought up um during the war. They were handed over to Christians and they were brought up in Christian homes. They didn't even find out they were Jewish until after the war. If you're brought up in that type of environment, so you eat treif and you don't keep shabbos, that's onus. That's not shogate. That's not sinning unintentionally. That's that's even less. That's called onus. You're just uh, absolutely nothing. You got nothing to be sorry for. The next stage up is shogeg. You did you did something wrong because you didn't know it was wrong you you didn't know it was also to drive a car on shabbos or you drove a car and you didn't know it was shabbos you've got it was shabbos you woke up drunk and you drove the car on shabbos if you'd have known it was shabbos you wouldn't have done it that's showgate the third stage is omaheta. excuse me excuse me the third stage is omaheta, where you can talk yourself into believing that what you're doing is right uh it's beyond show gig. it's not unintentional because you're doing it intentionally but you think it's the right thing to do whereas in, inf- in effect it's the wrong thing to do it's called omaheta. you've taught yourself into believing that something is right when it's wrong that's stage three stage four is amazing when you do something deliberately right you you know god said you're not allowed to eat cheeseburgers but you like cheeseburgers and you're very sorry you can't help yourself now you're doing it deliberately but um it's a drive within you. Now there's a price to pay, but the price to pay is just the price to pay. And um uh, that's maze it. That's you've done it deliberately. Augusund. What's Zugesund? What's Zugesund? What's Zugesund? Zugesund. Oh, Gesund, oh thank you. Um so that's uh stage four. Uh, that is uh, mazid. and the final stage, which is the worst stage of all, is lahachis. Lahachis means you're doing it because not because you want to do it, not because you like cheeseburgers, but you're doing it because you want to you want to anger God. Because God says don't eat cheeseburgers, you're not really you're not really a fan of cheeseburgers, you don't really like cheeseburgers, but because God says don't eat cheeseburgers, you're going to eat a cheeseburger. That's called lahachis. That's called dafkinik which in in common parlance ataphanic you, you don't really want to do it but you're going to do it because somebody says don't do it and uh that's what these people are there that this is the worst level possible to do something wrong deliberately and to do it in order to anger god and that's what these people were doing if they wanted to worship idols so they could have gone to the top of to worship the sun they could have gone to the top of a mountain to worship the sun no they wanted to come in the base of Migdosh. And they wanted to uh, bow down to the sun and turn their backsides towards a kolish baruchu, and that's called Lahachis. and that's one of the reasons why this is such an egregious crime, and it's going to have such d- dire qu- consequences. But Elov continues here, Babinel. the Elov Hoyu mishdach uh, uh misham, and from that sacred place, God says, "You bow down to the sun." Umilas mishtachavise. And what about this word, mishtachavise? It's made up of two words, as as Larry pointed out from the Sonsino, two Hebrew words signifying not just bowing and prostrating, but also the language of hashkasa, which is corruption, meaning that there were two tr- huge transgressions here taking place with one act of bowing to the sun. What were the two transgressions? Um, so there are two opinions what the two transgressions were. Uh, and uh, it comes from two different gemurras. Um I, I'm quite sure the um, the Soncino doesn't quote these two Gomorras, but these are the two Gomorras. The first Gomorrah is the Yerushalmi, the Yerushalmi in Sukkah. The Gomorrah says there, On Rabkhir Barab Barabo. Uh, says, it doesn't say they were bowing down it says they were um, they are prostrating you that's how the Gemara in the Yerushalmi translates it they are prostrating you meaning they were bowing down to the sun and doing so in the base of Midrash um in bowing like bow bowing you down, bowing God down, also ami, two evils the people did here um, and uh, the first one is idolatry, bowing to the sun, the second one is haskosa, and that 's blasphemy, but at the same time they combine bowing to the sun whilst at the same time blaspheming God by turning their backs to him and rejecting him. So that's the Gomorrah in, that's the Gomorrah in, in, that's the Yerushalmi in Sukkah. Uh, the Gemara, the Talmud Babli uh, in Yuma, in um, the Mesech that deals with Yom Kippur, on Dath Ein Zayin, on Aleph, page 77A, also quotes this pasuk, and it says, El Hashem Their backs were towards the heichal of God, and their faces were t- towards the sun in the east. The Gemara asks, listen, from the fact that the pasuk has already told you that their faces, fa- that they were facing the east, uh, it's obvious that their backsides were towards the, the west, towards the heichal, towards the Kodesh Kedoshim. So why does it need to tell you? Like once the posuk has told you that they were facing, bowing down, facing the east. So if you if you got a basic knowledge of the layouts and the of Hamikdash, you automatically know that their backsides were towards the Heichal, were towards the Kodesh, were towards the Kodesh Kadoshim. So so what, what's the message? So the Gemara says the real meaning of the words Achol Rehem El Heichal. Their backs were to the Heichal, to the Kodesh Kodashim. Says the Gemara, the intention is this. That uh, Yecheskel is using euphemistic language, and the verse is telling you that they would uncover themselves while bowing to the sun. They take their trousers down um, uh, whilst bowing to the sun. The bowing to the sun is one major crime, and then acharehem, uh, behind themselves towards the divine presence, they would um, relieve themselves. That's what it means, acharehem. Um, and, uh, the Baal Benel continues, and in relation to the three abominations. So basically what they were doing is they were, while they were worshipping the sun in the east, they were, they were uncovering them, taking their, the their, their pants off and defecating in front of the Kodesh Kadashi. Very nice people. So that's their, that's the two in one. That's why this is the most egregious. That's Vishtacha. That's, that's the language of, um Mishtachavim and Hashchasa. Uh, that, um, these two words combined, um, telling you that they're doing two different Abeiris at the same time. And, um, it, you, you, you really can't think of anything that, uh, um, uh, anything worse that uh, would anger God as much as this type of behavior. We got the worshipping the sun, which is an Isadia which carries skela, right? Carries, uh, stu- the, the, uh, the, the most, um, the harshest of all the death penalties, which is skela. And on top of that, they were defecating in front of the Kodesh Kaddashi. Really good people. The Nei B'tavos Hashem Barbenel. The Nei B'tavos Hashem Kodem. And in relation to the three visions, the three abominations that Yecheskel mentioned above, uh before zawsaya abawd sam la lahi ma uh, uh that that we described before this fourth vision abawlahu hayu morim baham sha hayu ozun uh her always alakiss wa ulaysha hayu ozun zubuzubush bashutthus that uh in the three visions that we saw before which was the samal um, menashe's semel menashe's four-headed creature idol that was sitting outside the northern gate and the private chamber where all manner of avodazora was being practiced and the third one which was the women crying by the idol of the Tammuz or the figurine of the prophet called Tammuz. um it's true this signaled that, that, that their worshiping of other gods and their paganism but there was no indication from the first three visions that they had totally divert, divert, deserted uh, the worship of God as well. And perhaps as the Ababa they were combining practicing paganism and Judaism in some sort of partnership, which was very popular uh, during first first temple period. You had pagan Jews who were, you know, so they went to Shul on Shabbos and then Motzi Shabbos. So they went to an orgy. And worship the Baal, and had a, a sex orgy, and that was very popular. And so, if you look at the first three, uh, the first three visions of Yehezkel, uh seen here in this chapter, the idol, Manash's idol, um, outside the northern gate, and uh, the collection of all these these people in private worshiping about Zora, and even the ladies uh, at the Samal uh, with the with the tamers. There's no certainty from those visions that they weren't keeping some part of the Torah that they weren't uh, practicing Judaism maybe in partnership with uh, their paganism but once you see people practicing paganism and at the same time with their backsides to uh, uh, the Kodesh Kedoshim and defecating in front of the Holy of Holies um um, uh, uh, when, when they're doing that then you know for sure that, um, uh, that uh, the interest in Judaism has c- completely dissipated they've got no connection to Judaism at all and they've completely rejected God and this is something said the Abba Menel that uh, is a co- confirmation of a prophecy that came about a 100 years earlier from Yeshayahu uh, who predicted exactly this he said, "Hi, this is chapter, this is Yeshayo in chapter one, verse four. It's, uh, it's the Haftorah we read, Shabbos Chazon. It's, um, Chazon Yeshayo Ben Amot. It's, uh, the Haftorah of Parashas Uh, and he, he, he writes, hoi goi choite. Woe to a sinful nation. Am coveid ovon zara mureim. A people heavy with wickedness. And an e- evil seed. Mashisim. Uh, they're corrupt. Bonim Mashisim. they my corrupt children. Ozvu Es Hashem. They totally forsake God. Niatsu is Kadosh Israel. They provoked the Holy One of Israel, Nozoru ochor. And they withdrew backwards from God, which is the same language, Ochor. So all the more say over here, that this is a prediction from Yeshayahu, uh, of what's, what, uh, is being shown to Yechazkal. Like, uh, all the different Avodah that they were doing and that were practicing, all the pagans that they were practicing. So a lot of it was done in conjunction with Judaism. They'd put the filling on, they'd uh, build the sukkah, they'd have a Seder night, and they'd also do Avodah Zorah as well. But this group, this type of Avodah where you come into the place of Migdash and you're nozaru you, you you show your back and you defecate in front of the Kodesh Kodoshim while worshipping the sun, it says uh, uh, that's just the limit. Umiknei yoma. And that's why it says in verse 13, al hatoava hazos, regarding this fourth sin, this fourth vision, oh tosh of tira tovos kodolos Ela. But Yehezkel adds in the words, me'ela, Lafisha hai, ha'isa g'dola mikula, that this was the worst of all the four visions that Yehezkel saw, on them, betovos, or ishonos, milas, me'ela. Regarding the first three, uh, when it moved on from one to two, and from two to three, and from three to four, or from one to two, and from two to three, there was no indication that anyone was any worse than the previous one. But when it came to the fourth one, from moving from the third vision to the fourth vision, God says, Mayela, this is the worst of the lot. And, um, you can understand that, uh, God's, uh, consternation and Yecheskel, I've never seen it written anywhere, but it, it says in the verse that there were about 25 men. And, you know, I, I looked everywhere to see where if somebody would write, you know, something about why, why about 25 men? Well, Yecheskel couldn't t- count to 25. Uh, and, uh, I think the answer is, in my opinion, I've not seen anyone write it, that Yechazka was so shocked by what he was seeing, uh, that, uh, he just didn't bother to count the people. He just looked and he said, oh, there's about 25 of them. And, uh, he was just, he just couldn't bear to look at the, at the scene. He took one look at it and turned away. Well, and then when it came to count them, so he said there's about 25. Um, and, um, so there you have it. That's the that's the fourth vision. And the generation of the second base of Migdosh, uh, you should know that this sin, this vision, this fourth vision um that Yecheskel is seeing here, uh um we're talking now in the year about four twenty-eight. This is five years before the Base of Migdish is destroyed. If you fast forward uh to uh the generation who built the second base of Miqdosh. So you fast forward about uh, 75, 80 years until the second base of Middash was completely rebuilt and was ready for use uh, just after the time of Chagai and the time of Zechariah and Malachi, uh, the last three of the uh, the prophets of Israel. So the generation of the second base of Middash uh, was so appalled by what happened here, what Yecheskel is being shown here, this particular fourth vision, that the Mishnah records but when the Jews would do uh, what the Jews would do as they left the base of Midosh during the second temple period is this. This is a missionary in sukkah. It's uh, it's this, this is the impression. I mean, it, it leaves a, a to for us two and a half thousand years later. It leaves a you know, we can't believe that people could do that. Now, you wouldn't do it in a shul. Obviously, you wouldn't do it in a shul. But to do it in the base of Midosh, like to bring an idol into a shul. And then turn your back towards the Kodesh Kadoshim, take your pants off, do a poo while worshipping an idol in the opposite direction. You couldn't even conceive of it. And yet these people were doing it not in the shul. They were doing the base of mintosh. And this left such a, such an impression, such a, a, a level of disgust on the returnees, um, that they did something about it. And the Mishnah in Sukkah tells us this is uh, in the fifth chapter uh of sukkah um the fifth peric, the fifth mishnah and um, that uh when the, in the second temple period when their people were leaving the base of english base of english then they were obviously when you leave the base of Migdash you're moving from the west to the east toward where the gate is where the entrance is towards the base of Migdosh, entrance of the base entrance and exit of the base of Migdash when they left the base of migdosh and reached the gate which leads to the east which is the main exit entrance and exit to and from the base of migdosh they turned around from facing east to facing west as they left the base of migdosh and they said the following <inaudible> our four forefathers who were in this place akhaream elhaykhalash upinayhem <inaudible> kaydmo they turned their backs towards God and their faces towards the east to worship in the sun. al and they were sun worshippers, But our eyes, they turned round from east to west and said, "Anu, la Our eyes are towards God. And Rabbi Yehuda, Umar Rabbi Yehuda said, "How you shown him the They repeated it. We are for God, and our eyes are towards God. Um, and uh, so that uh, they were so that there was this this fourth vision that was written down by Yehudskel shocked uh, the Jews of Babylonia to such an extent that when they came back and they built the second base of Mikdosh, they introduced this prayer. As they left the base of Mikdash to to say that uh, you know that's that was then this is now we are forgot we we turn and we face and we bow to God as we leave the base of Mikdash we're not like our fathers so um just uh, just to clear up a couple of uh, issues in in relation to halachas two halachas that we learn here this is a terrible uh, story really that uh, you that you can. You know, the worst possible thing that you could expect Jewish people to do. I mean I mean just it just defies you know, justifies belief. And uh it should be known that by the way, defecation was a uh a common practice among uh pagan worshippers. B um Baal Paar, Baal Bal um and uh sun worshipping all involved um Defecation, they would, uh, I don't want to put too fine a point on it for, for the purpose of the decorum, but before they go to these places, they'd eat a load of, um, uh, beetroot, right? Beetroot. They'd eat a lot of beetroot so that when they, uh, came to defecate in front of the idol, so it would be bright red. And that was a sign of, uh, you know, that was a sign of good worship. So these, these Jews, you know, you think to yourself, you know, Israel's is full of secular, and uh, there's arguments here, and there's terrible things going on here, and corruption, whatever. Not, and nothing that's going on in this country is anything new. And and everyone's dynamic. We're all amateurs compared to these guys. These these were real. These were real bad 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 chaps, bad Jews. And uh, what's interesting is that uh, because this is so egregious, this fourth, fourth Aveira, this fourth sign of paganism, is so egregious. Uh, that we learn various halachas from it. I'll just tell you two halachas. Um, the later rabbis in Babylonia, um, much later on, we're talking about the time of the Gemara, we're talking about, uh, probably 450 uh, ye- le- years later in Babylonia when the, when the, when the yeshivas in Babylonia in Pompadisa in Na- Narodor and Surah were starting to flourish, uh, were also very, very heavily affected by this verse. And made demands on the Jewish residents of Babylonia regarding the direction of prayer. And that very particular. And the Yerushalmi in Brochus um, brings a a, a Misa um, and brings a a halacha in the name of Rabbi Yaakov Bar-Acha. That he writes, there's a rule here in Babylonia where the direction towards the base of Middash and Yerushalayim would be to the west remember babylonia is to the uh, northwest of israel so um uh, iraq and iran is to the west slight to the north and to the west so that when the jews of babylonia would pray to you yushalayim which is the instruction of shalom Malach, you pray towards yushalayim they'd be praying praying to the west to the west um if if somebody isn't praying towards the west in Babylonia. One does not stop someone from praying in another direction, except if he's facing eastward. If you see a Jew in Babylonia facing eastward, when he should be, fa- if he's facing west, that's good. If he's facing north, leave him alone. If he's facing south, leave him alone. But if he's facing east, then you stop him. Um, because when somebody turns his back uh, towards Yerushalayim, the of migdosh and the Kodesh Kadoshim, it's also to pray. That's a halacha that comes out of the Yerushalmi. You're not allowed to pray with your backside towards the base of towards Yerushalayim. Um, it's interesting. We don't see this halacha in the Talmud Babli itself, but it's hinted at in Baba Basra, in the Gemara in Baba Basra on Daf Hay, And uh, the Gemara there says that although Rabsheshis, the great Rabsheshis, who was Summa, who was a blind man, he held that the divine presence is in every place. Because the machlak is a we 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 hold like Ravshesh, right? We say in in uh in Kadusha, Malo we we quote the Pasuk from Yeshayahu, Kaboda, God's uh, God's uh, presence is felt everywhere, everywhere on in the in the physical universe. And the Quran says there that although Rabshesh is held that God's divine presence is in every place. Nevertheless, Rab said to his servant, like when he was ready to pray, remember he was blind, Turn me so to face any direction to pray except east. I, I'm not facing east. Uh, Reb again was blind and he required the assistance of Ishamas to prepare for davening. And he explained to Ishamas, the reason I do not wish to face east is not because it does not contain the divine presence. But because the heretics and pagans instruct people to pray in that direction, and uh, the proof of it comes from the book of Yezhemid, <speaking in Hebrew> their faces were to the east, <speaking in Hebrew> and they were bowing down to the east so um, um, the, the the it's clear that uh, there is there is a halacha. That um, you, you're supposed to pray if, if you're in the northern hemisphere Generally speaking So you, you're daven towards the east Which is where the base of Migdash is But if you say in South Africa For example um, uh, And so you pray towards the base of Migdash Which is in the north Then it's also to pray, to pray in, to, it, It's okay to to pray south And it's okay to pray west But it's absolutely ossa, awesome, Says the Gemara To pray, pray east Because that's what pagans do that's that's the direction that pagans do they pray east towards the sun um that's the first halacha there's one there's another halacha that we learn from uh that is brought by the mishnabrura um this is in um in the Brura in Orachaim. he writes if one's back is facing the temple mount then it's permitted to urinate the, he, and the, uh, Chaim in the Mishnah writes, the Vilna Gorn agrees that even from Harahat Sophib, Mount Scopus and beyond, in e, i.e., even when the Temple Mount is not visible, when the Harabais is not visible, it's forbidden to urinate while facing the direction of the Temple Mount. If you've got your back to the Temple Mount, you're allowed to urinate. But if if you can see the Temple Mount from where you are, you're not allowed to urinate under any circumstances. It is forbidden to openly relieve yourself uh, facing the Temple Mount. It is forbidden to openly relieve yourself facing a synagogue or a base medrash, so as not to be included in the category of those of whom Yeheskel describes ish acharehem el Hashem. They had their backs and they were defecating towards God's temple, towards the kodesh Kadosh. So that's another halacha Um you're not you're not allowed to uh yeah, you know, you're not allowed to urinate, you're not allowed to go to the toilet openly um in in sight of a a of shul, certainly not in sight of the Temple Mount. You have to go into a proper toilet. Um finally we just uh We'll finish on this note, just an epilogue to this poshuk, because I'm glad we got through this poshuk. It may be that this verse that we just did today, Yicheskel, chapter 8, verse 16, highlights not only the sun worship. This is pointed out by many Macboshim here, many commentators here, that uh, this poshuk highlights not only um, that the sin of sun worship um, was not just something that other nations did, other pagan nations were engaged in. Um, but uh, it's very clear that uh, the Jews, the Jewish pagans, were involved in it themselves. Not only that, but it also seems that there might also be a a, a polemic here. Yecheskel is uh, is is making an argument against Jewish groups who used the pagan solar calendar. No, you're not supposed to use a pay. We we live in Chutz or we did live in Chutz uh, so we use a, 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 a solar calendar. It's, it's an unfortunate, um, necessity when living in chutzlar. but strictly speaking, a lot of mephoreshim and a lot of halachis say, if you live in the land of Israel, you're not allowed to use a solar calendar. It's absolutely awesome. It's the equivalent of, of, uh, sun worship. Um, you're supposed to use a Jewish lunar calendar. And, uh, my son, for example, who's a brisker, one of those, those guys, you know, that you meet from time to time the briskers. so he 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 you know they don't recognize uh you know the uh twelfth of december they're not interested in the twelfth of december they're interested in what 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 the Hebrew date is right they' just they got no no interest at all in, in in the english date in the secular date and it seems uh from quite a few forests that if you live in the land of Israel, so that's how it should be and interestingly enough, the israeli government have adopted that. If you look at your Dat Zehut and you look at the documents, the official documents and bank statements and everything else, it will not only have, you know, the English date, it will have the Jewish date as well. It will have, interestingly, though, though this is uh, not uh, a theocracy, uh, Israel's is not a theocracy. Nevertheless, I was very surprised. Uh, look at your Dat Zehut, you've got your date of birth, it will have your date of birth in Hebrew and the, your Hebrew date and your English date. And look on uh, official documents. It'll have the Hebrew date and the uh, English date. And the secular date. Um, so lunar, solar calendars were frowned upon. And it could be that uh, um, the sun worshippers also use. And that's why they're frowned upon. Because the sun worshippers were using a solar calendar as well. And what we'll see later on in Jewish history. During the second base of Mikdush, We won't see it in the Hezgo, but certainly later on in Jewish history, during the second base of Migdash uh, period, um, the rabbis would claim uh, the Tamidi Chachamim, the Tanoim, uh, and before the Tanoim, um, the great rabbis of the Mishnah, and before the Mishnah, Be'i Shammai, Be'i Silo, Nehemiah, various, it's uh, not, not Nehemiah that built Yerushalayim, different Nehemiah, Um Rabbi Ben-Yueza, all these great men that, uh, were at the time of the second base of Migdosh, they would claim that the, uh, these breakaway groups, one of the biggest of of these great breakaway groups, the Essenes and the Tzaddikim, the Sadducees, um, one of the sins that they were doing was not just, uh, how they were breaking halacha and they weren't paying attention to the oral tradition and the oral law, but they were basing their calendar on the sun. Uh, if not worshipping the sun itself. So, um this is, this verse is, uh, is seen by quite a few commentators as a, as a polemic, not just against sun worship, which of course is awesome in it's a biblical prohibition, but also about, uh, uh, getting carried away with the, uh, with the solar calendar. we we're, we're based on a lunar calendar, which is, well, it's a, a combined lunar solar calendar, the Jewish calendar and uh as a result of that so we have these halachas um so there we are that's that's verse 16 um i think yeah pretty much um pretty much done so that's the end of the four visions and now god now god uh tells the uh, has a discussion with yachezkel like what do you think what do you think about my jews what do you think about my jewish pagans so that's going to be please God. Um, We'll uh, we'll have this we'll see this discussion in, in verse seventeen. By Eli. Uh God said to me, Hari, uh, uh Hariyso, Ben Adam, Hanokel Levei Yehuda." Have you seen? You know, it's not enough that the house of Yehuda are doing all this type of stuff. So we'll see the the conversation as it uh, expands between God and Yecheskel, and um, we'll. We'll finish the chapter, chapter 8, and then we'll move on to chapter 9, which is God uh, making his preparations to leave the base of Migdash and leaving it to the Babylonians. So that's where we are. We're up to chapter 8, verse 17. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today, uh, the presentation today. Um Who wrote something here? David bates on Senior author Record's the new Sukkot prayer. Very good. Very, I'm very, uh, very, wascle, very um, pleasantly surprised by, is this where the custom of backing away from the Kotel comes from? No, it, that, that's, uh, that, that preceded this period. That, that was from the time of Shlom HaMalach, that, that uh, three steps back from the time of Shlom HaMalach. That doesn't come from here. Uh, okay. Harry, Harry, how about the, when Kohanim leave the duch and we back away, could that come from here? Yes, that's from here. Okay, but I find it interesting that younger generations don't do that. You say, you'll find the older Kohanim do and the younger ones do not. Well they haven't well that's the fault of the older Kohanim because they're supposed to tell their children to do that. And they are supposed to do that. Yeah, it's it, it's uh Minna Gabasenya Biodenu, it's been the Minagabasenya Biodenu for two thousand three hundred years. So um get on the phone if you're Kohen there, we is sold there, any other Kohanim there? Get on the phone to your kids and tell them to take three steps back. My, my kids back up. There <laughs> so, yeah, you go. Well, there you go. Okay. I'll try yeah. a quick one. Um, the idea of the year zero. Of the what? The year, the year zero. zero. Yeah, it's random. When, when did it start? That, that practice that the, the, the Nazi uses to record? Sorry. The, when did the, when did they start using it to record the date? Is uh, so, year zero. No, there is no year zero, but they started, they started, they said, they started saying, oh, it's 300 years from, uh, the common era, uh, from about, from about the time of the, um, uh, the Nicene Creed in 327. Well, the time the, of the Mishnah. Later than the time of the Mishnah. Later than the time of the Mishnah. The, the early Christians were using it a lot earlier, but it was, it became, um, it became into use across the Roman Empire in about 327 at the uh, Congress of Nicaea, when all the Christian groups came together to decide which books would go into the New Testament and which wouldn't. And they tried to work out the exact date. And they came up with this date, this random date of when Jesus was supposed to be born. And they created the calendar from that date. So that that was backdated to the year zero. So Nicaea became 327. Right before that, they were using other calendars. They were using the Greek calendar, um and, uh, they were using, uh, uh, other pagan calendars. But, uh, really from the time of Nicaea, from the, the Nice, Creed, uh, which was in 327, it, it got, it, it really became a worldwide Christian, uh, of worldwide Christian use. Okay. Okay, thanks. Uh, thanks, That's thanks. it. Eric, you Thank you, and, and uh, I just want to wish you all a chag Sameach for Chanukah, and we'll see you, Larry, if I'm not mistaken, in three weeks today. Three weeks from today. Yeah, we're taking three to weeks from break. today. Um, uh, everyone should have a beautiful Chanukah. Eat lots of latkes and sufganiot, and um, the the great thing about Chanukah is God promises if you eat Sufganiyot, and like is you don't put on any weight. There's no, <laughs> there's no added weight. It's one of the miracles of Hanukkah, and uh, you can God start putting us on. Yeah, well, I think the... it has to be done at nighttime. Can't be done. Yes, you do it at nighttime. <laughs> take your take your titses off and eat the sufganiot. Sort of Koltov to everybody. Everybody <laughs> have our a our great bye. week and Chag Sameach. Koltov. Thank you. Bye bye.